Welcome to the Relationship Cycle with Jorge and Nelsa, where we discuss dating and other significant relationships. Welcome back, everyone. We're so glad you're able to be with us. Our topic today, Poppy is divorced. Oh, man. We know a lot about that, don't we? We know a little bit about that. We got personal experience from both sides on that. Absolutely. And we really just wanted to have a conversation uh, you know, usually we bring in experts, we talk about facts and figures, but um, we thought tonight would be just a personal show for us to kind of cover, you know, what it's like, um, the trials and tribulations. There's definitely some of that, but, uh, and also, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of people can relate to us on some of these, yeah. you know, conversation points that we're going to hit. Like, I feel that in society, and religion, just in the world as a whole, like the whole divorce thing has a very, very negative connotation, right? Right. The fact that, you know, we even think trials and tribulations <laughs> you think about divorce. <laughs> but for some people, honestly, um, you know, it's a sense of freedom. It's a sense of liberation and uh, finding yourself again. So, you know, we want to be able to kind of objectively as much as we can, subjectively, objectively talk about, you know, what our divorce journey was like. Um, how long have you been divorced, Poppy? So my divorce became final October of 2021. Last year. So not a year yet, right? Not even a year. Um, so basically the month that we started the podcast. Look oh. at that. <laughs> Look at that. You had that. a lot to say. <laughs> I had a lot on my mind. Let's just say that I had a, you know, a gorilla off my back. Well, and you know, it's not like, um, by the time I think people are divorced and people meaning me, um, you know, a lot of things have transpired. Like I think sometimes people see divorce as, you know, the, the blow up at the end, but sometimes there are little things that have kind of chipped away at the relationship over time. Um, you know, earlier in our, our pregame discussion, we were just talking about how, you don't just wake up one morning and say, I want to be divorced. Like right. most reasonable people, I think, don't really do that. But, seldomly, very seldomly. Right. To me, the way I felt is that as time went on and as the drift mm -hmm. started to take place between me and my wife, and you could almost feel that we were kind of growing apart. Yeah. Unfortunately, right? Yeah. And you could feel it and it's real. And you feel it because when you start feeling those sensations, that's when you start kicking around that idea. Mm -hmm. Because a happy person doesn't kick around the idea of leaving their partner. Right. Usually people that start kicking that idea around are people who just don't feel completely fulfilled mm -hmm. or just don't feel happy. Right. Um, and I also think, too, you know, just discussing that point of happiness, like I think people who have never been divorced sometimes think, well, you know, everything takes work. Everything is not pie in the sky. Everything is not always going to be a good day. But I think when you get to that place, it's like you've exhausted, at least for me personally, I felt like I had exhausted every means I knew to make things better. From my point of view, um, I felt like I we had settled into this sort of roommate routine Oof. as opposed to, and that's the drift you're talking about. Like I could really identify with that 
because it wasn't arguing. There was no argument. There was no, um, you know, major issues, right. you know, for like some people, substance abuse or, you know, physical abuse or whatever. Um, you know, he was really a nice person. And, um, but there was that drift where it felt like I kept wanting to expand and do more in a different direction than he did. Right. Um, and, you know, compatibility even where, you know, what you used to do together doesn't feel so together anymore or you're about two different things, um, wanting to do two different things. Um, even your thought process about things is different. And, you know, it was a little different for the two of us. You know, I'm a mom, right. you know, there were children involved. Um, and for you, you know, there were no children. Right. So, so my decision, uh, yeah, I mean, it made it very easy, but at the same time, um, you know, there's that dilemma that anytime you go through a divorce, change is coming. Mm -hmm. Now, to what levels, to what depths, don't know. But my dilemma mainly was that I knew that if I was going to divorce, then I was going to have to change my whole routine. Mm -hmm. And more than likely, I was going to have to inconvenience my family. And on top of that, I was going to have to do away with my biggest accomplishment and asset that I had, which was my house that I bought. Mm -hmm. And that really was hard for me because, you know, I'm what? At that time, I would have been about 32 years old and I had put my life savings into this house because mm -hmm. I bought that house with my money not to, you know, be so transparent and forthcoming with that. But that's the reality. I literally used my life savings to buy our house mm -hmm. and not that she wouldn't have been able to kick in, but she was in school. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't working. So I was pretty much the breadwinner mm -hmm. as far as buying the house. And that definitely gave me a lot of pause and reservation that, man, like the way that I was seeing everything, if I were to make this power move, I'm going to have to walk away from this house along with the marriage. Right. And I've had a lot of people ask me, well, why didn't you just keep the house? And I'm like, well, I'm epileptic. I can't live alone. Mm -hmm. So even that was like another layer into my decision making that, okay, even if I do divorce, I can't live in this house by myself. And I'm sure I probably could have figured something out, but it's still a risk for me. Cause what if I can get somebody that I trust to come live with me, right. then that would open up another can of worms. So I just, and to be fair, I was the one that decided to walk away. So to me, it just felt unfair that I was the one initiating and walking away from the marriage, I did not have the heart to be like, okay, you need to leave my house now. Right. So I was like, look, I, I put it on her court. I said, look, this is where I stand and this is where I feel uh, or what I feel that we're no longer in love with each other and we're not happy mm -hmm. and we're toxic and I won't, we have to divorce. Mm -hmm. So I told her, you can either keep the house and then we'll sit down and figure out what you're going to pay me for it. 
as far as my equity portion. Mm -hmm. uh, or if you don't want the house and you don't want that responsibility, then I can, me and my family can take it and we'll figure something out. Mm -hmm. So I put it on her court and obviously she chose to keep the house like a smart girl. Right, right. <laughs> Especially in this market. Oh I mean, well, at that time, yeah. you know, the market was stable, but it was definitely not on and popping like it is right now. Right. Exactly. Uh, but you know what? I had a, I had a good friend that I would talk to. She was a, a elderly woman from my work and she was one of the few people that I really took her advice to heart because she kind of, you know, we had this conversation. I told her what was going on in my personal life. And she mentioned that, um, don't worry too much about the, you know, the material stuff mm -hmm. because your, your peace and tranquility has no price. Mm -hmm. And she told me that and that really hit me. Yeah. And then she's like, because think about it. Once you move on and once you get settled back in, you could always buy another house. Mm -hmm. But your peace and tranquility, you can't man, replace it, right? that has no price. Right. Because I tell people all the time, I'm the happiest that I've ever been in my life. Mm. And listen, don't get me wrong. The marriage was good in the beginning. Uh, but then right those last two years was a struggle. Mm -hmm. And I knew that that was a struggle because I would be at work on a Friday night dreading to go home. Mm. And... Not because she was a bad person. I don't ever want to make it seem like that. But we just... The tension. The tension was there. Yeah. It was almost like walking on eggshells. Yeah. That constant feeling of walking on eggshells. And I knew that it was time to make some big decisions where we couldn't even agree where to go eat without mm -hmm. peacefully agreeing mm -hmm. somewhere. Yeah. But I tell people all the time... I learned a lot from my divorce and I'm, I'm a different man from when I was married compared to the mm -hmm. new divorce single man that I am now. Yeah. Like I've learned so much. So um, what do you think one of your main lessons has been? Um, well, definitely being more self sufficient for sure, because I know when I was married, uh, my wife carried a lot of responsibility. Like she had to do all the cooking. I, I couldn't, I could barely make eggs. What? I kid you not. Is that, is that amazing shrimp taco I just had with scallops? And, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine you not being able Listen, to cook. Listen, <laughs> that was a lot of pressure on her because yeah. she would be the one that would have to figure out what the hell to make. And I would just be like, what are we eating? Yeah. And that, was a, that was a lot on her. And, um, you know, she basically had to run the whole house by herself. And she worked full time on top mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. So... Now, obviously, I've learned to cook. Mm -hmm. um, and well. And, you know, listen, <laughs> I'm definitely not an expert, but I, you know, I, I know how to make a couple of things. Yeah. I know how to put a little meal together if I ever invite somebody over. Mm -hmm. uh, also, obviously, becoming more self-reliant. I barely know how to do laundry. Oh. I barely know how to do laundry. Mm -hmm. uh, you have been spoiled, hey. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. And she was like, uh, yeah, you got to help me. Yeah. And now, obviously, looking back at it, I was like, yeah, she carried a lot. Yeah. You know, she had to do a lot. That was a lot of responsibility on one woman. And obviously, now I do feel much better as far as being self-reliant. And, you know, if, if I were to enter in a new marriage or new relationship, if she's tired or she doesn't want to cook, I could be like, hey, you know what, babe? Mm -hmm. I'm a cook. I got you. Right. Let me show you these chef poppy skills. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, it's a lucky woman. It's a lucky, lucky woman. 
Um, you know, I think for me, one of the the most difficult pieces of the divorce was being a mom mm. and feeling the guilt of tearing my family apart um, God, for difficult. my children. It was. And I was not a child of divorce. My parents were together until my dad died. My grandparents on both sides were together until, um, you know, my grandfather's on either side died first. And so I just knew I was going to grow up and be married to my spouse until death did us part because I had grown up with that uh, dynamic in my direct line. And when I didn't, I felt tremendously guilty. Like I had wrecked things all to hell for my children. You know, I worried about were they going to be able to bounce back from it. Um, you know, I just had a conversation not too long ago uh, with one of my daughters about how I felt like I was ashamed and I had always wanted to be such a good mother, but I felt like, did I do something to fuck them up? Mm. Um, did I do something to make them question every relationship they were ever going to have? Because, you know, ours didn't work out. Right. And, you know, my, my children were younger, of course. It's How old were they? Um, almost 12 and almost 17. And on top of it, they had just lost their grandfather. Um, it was my uh, older daughter's senior year when, you know, she's getting ready to go into her senior year when we got separated. And I felt like I had completely obliterated what had been a you know pretty good childhood for her. And then my younger daughter, I felt like, oh, my God, you know, I'm putting us in such a really bad position. Like you said, moving back home. Um I felt the shame to have to come back to my mama's house because she had never had to go back to her parents' house. And it made me feel like I had really been a big failure. And that was not something that I had been used to in my life. I had not really ever failed what I felt like was failing anything, you know, school, work, whatever, like I did that marriage. And, you know, and I loved my ex. You know, I I was in love. I right. It wasn't like I just picked somebody I thought would be okay and be a good, you know, baby daddy. I really felt like this was the person God wanted me to choose. But I can remember my mom always saying, um, you know, God didn't put everybody together. And, you know, sometimes a relationship was until death do you part. But sometimes the death of the relationship is what's tearing people apart, mm. not the death of our physical bodies. Gotcha. And I really do feel like we had served our purpose. And and I've recently been able to to speak about a lot of the feelings that I wasn't able to talk about at first right. uh, with my ex and, and to be able to apologize for what I failed to do. You know, I wasn't a good communicator. I wasn't able to say when something bothered me all the time. I wasn't able to speak up and and tell my truth. And I really struggled with codependency and I was pretty needy, you know, as a, as a wife, you know, I, I wanted a, a lot of things that I don't always know necessarily if he was able or we hadn't negotiated, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, there were just a lot of things I think I assumed, maybe he assumed um, that we would do that after we started growing in the relationship, we didn't come back to the table and discuss it thoroughly. We didn't discuss it at all sometimes. 
And, you know, we always talk about how vital communication is. And I did not do a good job with that in that relationship. And I think that's one of the lessons that I learned is like, you've got to speak up and talk about when things bother you. You've got to talk about what your non-negotiables are. You've got to talk about, you know, if things aren't working so well, how long are we going to go with things not going so well before we go get help? Whether it's pastoral counseling, whether it's therapy, whether it's, you know, whatever you need to do. Um, But then there's also the realization that sometimes you outgrow a relationship, whether it's a friendship, a marriage, whatever. And I've had to, I've had to realize, you know, divorce isn't just the separation from that husband, but I've had friends that, you know, we've grown apart and have had to let the relationship go. Um, But I found that to be very painful too. And I think I probably held on three years longer than um, maybe I would have because I really wanted to make sure I tried for my children that I didn't just, you know, let things slowly dissolve and erode, but I really wanted to say we had given it, you know, all we had. Um, And like you, I was the one who chose to leave. And so, you know, there was the whole, you've created a life with this whole person. You know, you basically essentially marry their family. They marry yours. Um, so there's also the separation of those relationships. And I do feel like we had friends who chose sides right. for a while. Um, and maybe not because um, we never really talked about what happened inside our marriage with people. So it wasn't like people felt like, oh, you know, this, that or the other is going on. And you see them and everybody thought we were happy. I think people really were devastated to find out that things weren't as great as they had perceived them to be. And um, I think they were very disappointed in knowing that I was the person walking away because I had been such a, a model citizen sometimes. Right. My, you know right. what I'm saying? Where, you know, you're trying to do things right. And I was a real big people pleaser. So I didn't want to disappoint people, uh, including my ex. But I was just like, I didn't recognize myself anymore. I felt like I had... Lost yourself? Lost myself. And that happens a lot. Like, not just in marriage. It happens in relationships. Mm -hmm. And I can honestly say that I lost myself because I had people that were close to me who would tell me, like, yeah, you didn't look like the same version of yourself. Like, we, it looked like you you were different. Mm -hmm. You you didn't, you weren't as uh, happy, go lucky and outgoing and, you know, laughing like you, like you usually do. People notice that. Yeah. They may not tell you to your face, but obviously once they saw... Mm -hmm that I had made that move, then, you know, they kind of started piecing things together. Like, okay, he was going through some rough shit (laughs) because the marriage just wasn't going uh, well. But I tell people all the time, like, look, me and her, we had some good memories. We were together for 10 years. We dated for five years. We married for five years. We did some good things. Mm -hmm. So I don't ever want to take that away from her. And, you know, it's important to also remember the good. Like, I don't ever... I don't like to walk away from the marriage and just take all the bad. There was definitely some good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, her family was good to me. Mm-hmm. So I never had any issues with that. Right, same um, so, I, you know, I can't say a bad thing about her family. Uh, they were they were good people and they always supported us, you know, whenever we needed that support. And my family, too. My family never, mm-hmm. um, you know, did anything bad to her. We, it was, we were very amicable. Um, but... The problem is that sometimes uh, 
you may meet that person at that particular age and then time goes by and you maybe evolve or right. change right. and they may not evolve and change with you right. whether it be for the betterment or for the worse yeah <laughs> and sometimes that happens where you level up but the person that you're in their dating or relationship they're stagnant or they're not evolving with you or satisfied you know or content, content. Yeah, yeah content uh let me ask you so well i do want to put this out there right even even the full disclosure i do not have any children mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people who know about this topic. And for the people who really struggle about the whole tearing the family apart, there's a lot of people, experts, who would argue that you're doing more detrimental damage to -hmm. the children by keeping them in a toxic, bad environment. Yeah, especially if there's a lot of negative energy um, going back and forth, I would say so too. But I will say my children have actually told me and their dad, like, what in the world? Y'all aren't even compatible. Like, Mm. seeing us apart (laughs) and, um, you know, versus their memories of us together. Like, they see him being a happier person. They see me being a happier person. And they've really become much more resilient. Um, you know, they'll tell you they've been to therapy. They don't mind talking about it. And they, in fact, they encourage their friends that they should go and get therapy. You know, they're very um, right. forward thinking young women. And I, you know, again, I still felt a lot of guilt. You know, I still check in with them about how they feel about things. But they were like, no, we would not change it. Um, you know, because we see the two of you and how much you have grown since that moment. Wow, in that's time. impressive. Yeah. But it, it was about staying in communication with them, making sure I stayed tapped in. And, you know, one thing that I really, I tried so hard, and I can't say that I, I, every day was a great day where I was at the best at it, but I never wanted to bad talk their dad in front of them. And to his credit, I feel like he did not do that to me either good um so that we could stay a team because we're still going to be parents we're still one day hopefully we're going to have grandchildren and you know sons-in-laws or whatever but um i didn't want to to make him a monster to my children i didn't want to keep him away from my children um because he had been a decent dad he had been there for them um and you know to his credit you know i think his relationship with them has evolved to the point where I think it's it's improved even since our divorce. Um, wow, really? Yeah. Hmm. And I think that's where you got to tap into, like you said, what is the good of the situation? Um, what was good? And, and he and I always say, you know, if we had not been together, our children wouldn't be here. And those are the biggest blessings of our lives. And it was meant to be for them to come through us. And so... You know, I always feel good about that. I always feel good that, you know, even though we may not have made every choice right as a parenting team, um, together or divorced, but we are still a team in parenting our children. We still, um, you know, and again, I think our communication has improved um, by leaps and bounds, honestly, from where we were sometimes as a married couple. Um, But it's still not like, 
I think we both come to terms and we both closed the chapter in our life where we saw, you know, the difficulty sometimes in the relationship. And even though we'd have good times, those difficulties would still kind of rear their rear their heads. And once I really walked into who I was and who I'd evolved into and owned it, like there was no way I feel like I could have stayed in that particular relationship because I had changed so much that I would have had to put myself kind of back in a box and I just, I couldn't see doing that anymore. So, and again, not just with that marriage, but with other relationships that, you know, changed as well. Um, But it's not easy. And I think just because you initiate it, sometimes people feel like, um, like you don't have regrets about the person and like you don't suffer the loss of that, you know, loss of that intimacy the loss of that support, um, the loss of just the normalcy that you had. We're creatures of habit. Humans are creatures of habit. And I had to move. So when I, um, you know, left the marriage, I had to move. I used to live in Steel Creek where I had my home. Mm -hmm. And then I had to move in with my parents uh, over here in North Charlotte. So it was like a Mm 30-minute, you know, drive. And my job, I used to work in Fort Mill. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like going further and further away from my job. Mm -hmm. But um, the way I explained to my parents, like, look, I've been kicking this around for a while. And um, yeah, I was miserable. Mm -hmm. Like the last few years, I was miserable. And your parents didn't know mine, did you? Oh, no. Now, listen, my parents would ask me all the time, Mm -hmm. but me being, you know, trying to be brave and trying to protect them from my bullshit, Mm -hmm. I would be like, everything's fine or I'm good because my mom worries enough. Yeah. With me because of my epilepsy, I didn't want to give her any more worries or unnecessary worries. And I figured, hey, it's my marriage. I need to figure it out. I don't need my mama to be worrying about that, right. you know. Exactly. Um, but I, I I urge people that uh, if you're genuinely miserable and you are not happy, then find your fucking happiness. Yeah. Life is too short. And don't fuck with happy. You ever heard of that? I have not, but I like it. <laughs> Don't fuck with happy. If you're happy and married, good. Stay yeah. happy and be married. But if you are not happy and you are miserable, then do whatever it is you need to do to find that happiness. Because let me tell you, you don't want to wait till it's too late Mm-mm. and then you're 70, 80 years old and trying to find your happiness. Well, shit, by that time, you got one foot in the grave, man. Right. Exactly. You know, and and I I feel that I have done the right thing because, number one, I just genuinely feel happy and well. But also people close to me tell me, man, you Mm -hmm. you look so damn happy. Like you really live life. You're glowing. glowing, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) People are like, yo, you really look like you enjoy life. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. (laughs) You got to live like you're dying because you really are. You really are. And if. I mean, listen, I, I was already pretty cognizant of that, but I mean, and, you know, surviving the pandemic and seeing how that took a lot of lives and yeah. destroyed a lot of families. If that doesn't give you an idea of how precious life is, I don't know what would. What would, yeah. And you know what? And I love him enough to want to see him happy. And I knew as I was getting miserable and less like who I felt like I was, that was impacting him, whether... You know, right. you want to admit it or not, like if you really love the other person and you aren't able to to give them your best self, you're not really doing a service to them by staying in something 
just because everybody you know stayed in a marriage. Well, a lot of those people didn't have choices in, you know, previous generations. And now it's like you said, like there's there's so much that's happened in front of our faces. Like I didn't want either of us to be somewhere suffering and just getting by. I I felt like if you're going to be together, I want more bliss than I want piss. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just coined that today, ladies and gentlemen. Please see my copyright notice. Um, But, you know, when you get to that place where you're starting to count your days up and your your good days are not outweighing your bad, then, you know, like the gospel song, you know, he says, I won't complain because you're my good outweighs my bad. But if it's opposite, you got to really take stock of stuff. Like you can't sit on that. And I think our bodies, like, just like you said, I've, I've had people tell me, you know, how I seem to be, you know, changed. And when I look at pictures, I was almost 200 pounds. I was on two blood pressure medicines. I'm not saying it was from the marriage. It was a lot going on during mm-hmm. that time. And those things I think were contributing factors as well, but I, I'm not having the same issues as I chase my bliss. And it's not about being with another person. It wasn't about, um, it wasn't about anything but me. And my dad had died. And I thought to myself, if you died today, would you be okay? Would you feel like you've done what you needed to do? And it really made me face my own mortality and the fact that I wasn't happy the way I had thought I would be. And I couldn't live like that. I couldn't live with that. No, I, um, I remember I would go work out or even just, you know, during quiet time or just laying my head on the pillow. And I would be like, how long can I continue doing this? Mm. Cause I literally felt like I was living a lie. Yeah. Not, not in the, not the whole marriage, but towards the end of it, when I knew Mm -hmm. that I was really considering like, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty, but you were saying, Poppy, how you felt like, you know, you were living a lie. Yeah, like I literally, I literally felt like I was living a facade. And I hated that mm-hmm. because you try to, almost like you're playing house and you're trying to, you know, put on the happy face and then you get back to the house and that happy face instantly goes away. Mm. And I just hated that feeling. And this was towards the end, obviously, uh, and not the whole marriage, but those last two years when I mm-hmm. really was contemplating, like, okay, how could, if I were to do this, how can I go about doing this? What are the ramifications? What are the pros and cons, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But um, it's the best thing I've ever did. Okay. Um, I literally can say that my biggest lesson from my divorce is. Uh, find your happiness, yeah. whatever that is. Like you need to sit down, write it down, look in the mirror, and be like, "Okay, what makes me happy?" And then go after it. Mm. Excellent advice. And I can it, I can that, already amen that. Listen, it doesn't mean you, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be an IG model, whatever. Just literally be honest with yourself and be like, "Hey, what makes me happy?" Yeah. What brings me happiness is good friendships living, you know, in the moment, cooking, mm-hmm. eating good, that stuff makes me happy. Yeah. So guess what I do? Right. I do as much of that as I can. 
podcasting. Podcasting <laughs> makes me happy. That too. <laughs> that is a new discovery that I've made in the past year or so that I, yeah. I really enjoy podcasting. But you know, um, again, it's like you said, but if you don't, if you don't seek after that, and for me, the word is really joy, um, you know, because happy can be up or down, you know, for me, but joy, like even when things aren't great, I still feel like my life is where I thought it would be, or it's moving closer to what I thought it would be. And again, not that it was a horrible life that I lived as a married woman. It wasn't, it, it was a lot of good, a lot of good. Good, good. And, um, you know, I feel like I can be at peace with that now, Right. but it did take me forgiving myself for what I felt like was a failure where I had failed to make it better, to make it work. Um, and I think that's a part of, of anything moving forward is that not not only forgiving the other people for whatever they contributed to that place, but forgiving yourself. Because I made decisions as a 20-something-year-old that my 40-something-year-old self <laughs> would maybe do differently. Right, but, right. you know, when you look at hindsight, it's always 2020 vision. Oh, you know, Monday, everything's Mon- crystal clear. Monday morning quarterback. Everybody exactly. loves playing that but role. But when it's live time and you're in the middle of those decisions, you're in the middle of those feelings, like, it's so different. Right. And so I had to stop beating my 20-something-year-old self up because she was in love madly with this person and things changed, you know. I, I couldn't keep holding myself hostage for something that was the right thing in my twenties and thirties, but changed after a major life event, you know? So I think, you know, people keep that in mind as you're thinking about, you know, where your relationship is, you know, do your due diligence, um, try to communicate with each other to keep, you know, to keep the, the fire burning. Um, and, and more than that, like check in with yourself, like you're saying, like, are you happy? Do you ask yourself, you know, what does happy look like for me? There's some people, um, they don't even know what kind of ice cream they like, much less if they're happy in a relationship or not. But I think you've really got to be honest with yourself first. And if you feel like I'm all happy breezy in front of everybody, but when we get home, we don't even talk. We're not making love. We're not making plans. We're not growing. We're not building anything together. You got to really take some some stock. And I'm not saying all those things were my issues, but I've seen couples that play the game, but you know, the wife is just dogging them out everywhere she goes. The husband's dogging her out everywhere he goes. And she's like, what are y'all doing? Like, really? Y'all don't think this is, you know, some people are like better or worse and they're going to go down that worst path and ride it until, <laughs> until hey, the listen, wheels fall off. Let, let's, let's not get it twisted. Like everybody goes through rough patches when they're right. in marriages and relationship. But to me, a rough patch Should end is, is, is temporary, right. yeah. <laughs> but a rough patch shouldn't be years. Yeah, You know, rough patch can be, you know, hey, a disease or a sickness or, you know, job mm-hmm. loss or, you know, my mama died and mm-hmm. I hadn't been the same since stuff like that. Hey, we're going to get through it, yeah. you know, but like just years of toxic energy and arguing and fighting and just being down each other's throat, man, that shit gets old, man. Like you, like, I just cannot envision, I could not envision doing that forever. Like right. this is not what my forever looks like. Or silence, you mm. know, because some people aren't fighting. Yeah. Some people aren't talking. Right. You know, they aren't sleeping in the same room. Some people aren't, you know, 
it, it looks different for everybody. And I think that's why we're saying you really need to take stock about your situation and see what, what are your uh, non-negotiables and what are the things that you can live with that if we could work on it, things could maybe get better. But, you know, I, I'm not sure. Um, it, it takes two. It always takes two. It takes two to tango. Yeah. but Good or bad. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? This was a, a good conversation. Um, I think it's important to have this. Um, and, you know, for some people, listen, this is this is how you find your happiness. Okay. You got to make that bold move. Sometimes and it's do. tough. It, it's rough. And you may have to give some sacrifices. You probably going to piss some people off. And, you know, people. some people are going to be frustrated or some people are going to be like, why are you doing this? But at the end of the day, is whether you are happy and enjoying life or not. And if you are not, then you need to find the answer to that. Amen, my friend. Amen. (laughs) No more than that needs to be said other than thank you all again for joining us. If you have any show ideas you'd like to share with us, please email us at jorgeandnelsa at gmail.com and check out our website at therelationshipcycle.com. Thanks for joining us today on The Relationship Cycle with Jorge and Nelsa. Do you have show ideas? Email us at jorgeandnelsa at gmail.com. Follow us on Spotify or anchor.fm for more great shows.